Welcome to Friday's Child, the podcast, formerly known as Life School ME. When I started Life School back in June 2019, my vision for where I wanted to take the podcast and how it would grow was not 100% clear. I knew I wanted to interview inspiring women and share their stories, but there was no grand plan. And that's okay. I'm a firm believer in starting before you're ready. But after falling pregnant with my beautiful daughter Mavia and deciding to focus on the world of bumps and babies for series two, I discovered a new passion for all things related to pregnancy and birth. The things I learned about the female body and birth during my pregnancy journey have changed me forever and ignited a newfound passion and love for this subject matter. So Life School has been reborn as Friday's Child and during this series I will be talking to first-time mums, childbirth educators and industry experts on all things motherhood. Whether you're newly pregnant, a first-time mum, or maybe you just want to find out more about the world of babies and motherhood, I hope you enjoy listening to my wonderful guests and that hopefully you can take away some helpful information and insights. Now let's get on with the show. This episode is being released on World Sleep Day and my guest today couldn't be more perfect to mark such an occasion. My guest today is Hayley Bukamseen, aka The Gentle Mama. Haley is a baby sleep specialist and a woman on a mission to empower parents and help us nurture our intuition. What I thought was going to be a lovely chat just about sleep turned out to be so much more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Haley, aka The Gentle Mama. Haley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, listener discretion, my little girl is asleep and I am home alone. So hopefully she will stay asleep. <laughs> she better. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to a sleep expert, so I hope she does me proud tonight <laughs> and stays asleep. <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, speaking to this sleep expert, it's not about staying asleep. You know, if they have to wake up, that's okay. It's normal. <laughs> Well, she only went down about half an hour ago, so hopefully, hopefully she'll be fine. Um, so Hayley, most people will know you via your Instagram, The Gentle Mama. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, what brought you to Dubai, um, and how you kind of got into the world of working with babies and parents and helping with sleep? Yeah. Um, so Dubai, so I used to work in media and advertising back in London. Um, I was living that kind of fast paced, busy lifestyle member of a, a private members club and shopping at Selfridges at lunchtime and, you know, going to the gym after work and all these busy, busy London things. And then my husband was offered a job in Dubai and we thought, yeah, one year in Dubai, we'll save some money. And uh, we hopped on a plane and it took us a year just to um, decorate the house that we were (laughs) living in. Um, So there was no way we were going to be leaving after that. We'd finally got our house ready and we were sorted and settled in Dubai. And we'd had a baby by that point. Um, And we loved being in Dubai. So that was kind of how that happened. Um, While we were here... Yes, we had our first baby, um, who's now six and a half, and uh, she is relatively high needs in terms of sleep, and we had a bit of a challenge, uh, or I had a challenge with her sleep because of the expectations of society, but I didn't realize that at the time. Um, I thought that she was 
a problem child that her sleep was broken and I needed to get it fixed and all these things that sleep trainers will sell you. Um, so eventually I got to the point, you know, there's a, there's a stage around uh, eight, for us it was eight months, but it can be between seven to 11 months typically uh, where babies go through a phase of biphasic sleep which means that they will wake up in the middle of the night and be wide awake and ready for a party. Um, and when we got to that stage in her sleep development, I was certain that I had broken her somehow and that I was failing as a mother. And so I hired a so-called gentle sleep trainer. Um, and I spoke to her beforehand and she said, oh, all crying is supported and it's all gentle. And all these words that you want to hear as a parent. So I thought, great, I'm sorted. Um, what I didn't uh, realize was that they use these words to sell it to you, but they're all the same. They're all selling sleep training, which is going against parental intuition. Um, so I was nervous to get started, but excited. until, And then she told me that she was only going to send me day one of the plan and then on day two she'll send me the next day and then she'll keep sending me drip drip feeding this plan um and it soon became clear we got to about day three it soon became clear that she was using gradual withdrawal sleep training um and that is not a gentle emotionally supported thing to do uh so when i realized that was what was happening uh, I spoke to my husband. I said, this doesn't feel right. She wants us to leave our baby to cry for 20 minutes at a time. It doesn't feel right. And he said, no, I don't feel comfortable either. So this is also known um, as controlled crying. Is that right? Yeah, uh, it's similar to controlled crying. There's there's so many different, you know, there are hundreds of different words that they'll use to label sleep training. Um, but yeah, I mean, controlled crying is in, out, in, out. Whereas this one was moving yourself slightly further away each time. Um, and it just didn't feel right. So I posted on a parenting group, a gentle parenting group. And I said, this doesn't feel right. I feel like this isn't gentle, but they say on the website that it's gentle sleep training. I don't understand what's happening. And the barrage of messages that I got saying, if it doesn't feel right, stop, definitely stop. And then saying, sleep training is never gentle, no matter how, what phrases they put in front of it or how they try and package it up, it is not gentle. And I thought, yeah, it's right. And I, I read them to my husband and he said, go and get her and bring her into our bed now. And I ran through and I grabbed her. And by that point I was crying and I was so relieved to kind of break through that barrier of, oh, I need to listen to what other people are telling me to no, what I was feeling was right all along. I should have just been listening to myself. Um, so then I started researching parenting, attachment parenting, gentle parenting, gentle sleep support, uh, what the options are, what actually baby sleep should look like biologically. Um, and I became really passionate about it because I realized that this was a huge gaping hole in the parenting journey that people, you know, so many parents have been hoodwinked and actually then negatively impacted and their whole parenting journey is affected by what's being sold to them and it's being sold to them uh, falsely. Um, so 
it, yeah, it really frustrated me. It got me upset. Um, and I kind of the fire was started in me at that. And whilst I had come over to Dubai as a stay-at-home mum with no, you know, no plans to work, I was just going to focus on my children. I then got to the point where I couldn't sleep at night because I was so stressed about the fact that I wasn't taking any action over this situation that I was aware of that so many parents are struggling with. Uh, so I certified as an infant sleep educator. Um, I had already started the Gentle Mama as a blog just to chat to, you know, just a vent about my own experiences and to uh, share things with the world. Um, and then I turned the Gentle Mama into a sleep coaching business, um, but a truly gentle sleep coaching business with absolutely no sleep training at all. Um, and it just went really quickly. <laughs> it became, it got to the point within, I think, three months that I was having to turn away business because I was so busy. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was, there are so many people out there looking for what I'm doing. Um, and there's so much demand and I couldn't keep up with it. So now I have created an online sleep course because then as many people as they, as need to can access that because I felt like I was, I couldn't stretch myself further because I am still a stay at home full-time mum whilst running the gentle mama. And that's where I'm at. <laughs> that is amazing. And you mentioned before around the eight month mark. What was that you said that the babies go through? Because my daughter is eight months today. And oh, okay. we had a night the other night. She's consistently been a pretty good sleeper, touch wood. And we had a night the other night where she just, she went to bed and an hour later, she was wide awake. <laughs> I tried to then put her back to sleep. She was screaming. So I just bought wow. the living room with us and I just let her stay up for a few hours. And then she went back down and she was fine, but she was like hyper. And I'm like, did we give her sugar by mistake? Like, what is this? She was, it was like, she was super, super hyper, but that was just one night. So what was, what was that Interesting. you touched on? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like uh, for your daughter, it sounds probably more like she treated that as a nap. Uh, maybe she's ready to drop a nap. It might be that she's at the stage where she doesn't need one of her naps. So when she did have an extra or what felt like an extra sleep for her, it felt like a nap and she's wide awake again because she didn't have enough sleep pressure to get into deep sleep for a longer sleep. That would be my you know, initial thought from what happened there. But actually what I was talking about was biphasic sleep, which is usually around midnight-ish, 11, 12, 1, you know, they've usually had a good four or five hour sleep and then they wake up and they wake up wide awake, as you're describing actually, as if they're ready for the next day, as if yeah. they've had their day Me sleep already. Like, the night sleep. Darling, you do know it's not the next day. Like, <laughs> <it's nighttime>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing. Um, in fact, actually, this is a, a silly story. I remember as a kid, I would have been around seven years old. Um, I woke up and looked at the clock and it said it was 8 p.m. And I panicked and ran into the bathroom. I thought it said 8 a.m. I ran into the bathroom. I showered. I got into my school uniform. I ran downstairs and my mom was there going, what are you doing? It's eight at night. 
Um, and yeah, when you've had a little bit of sleep, sometimes it can be enough to make you feel like you're done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, so this biphasic sleep, so humans, uh, before the dawn of artificial light, humans were biphasic in their sleep patterns, which meant that there were two phases to their sleep. We would go to sleep at just a little while, maybe an hour or so after sunset, and we would sleep for a block of four or five hours, and then we would wake up for a couple of hours, and then we would go back to sleep for another four or five hours, and then we'd wake up around sunrise. Um, and that was normal human behavior. And actually studies have shown that if you remove artificial light from humans now, we will gradually go back to the same behavior. So babies naturally, you know, our hard wiring doesn't change like that with just 200 years of artificial light or whatever it might be. Um, so babies are hardwired to start to do that. And we have to gently support them to fit in with our lifestyle. Um, and yeah, it's not ideal, but this is the way humans all sleep now. So we support them. The ideal way is to um, make it fe feel as boring as possible, settled, um, keep the room dim, dark. However it is when you're usually asleep, try and keep the room like that and keep it quiet and use a key phrase. You know, if your phrase might be something like, it's sleep time now and no, it's still bedtime time to sleep it's night time something like that one phrase and uh making it boring and still responding never ever withdrawing eye contact that's very very disturbing for a child um never uh removing your presence you know you can be beside them you can sit beside them on the floor or lie beside them making sure that you stay awake um but making them feel reassured and secure but also making it boring so that they go back to sleep again um and it usually passes within a couple of weeks yeah i i didn't really look into sleep training or anything really to do with baby sleep before i had my daughter i was so focused on the birth um like a lot of first time moms i couldn't really see past that point all I knew was the narrative of, you know, you're probably not going to sleep for a few years. Like, that's what we're told. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sort yeah. of really ready to not sleep. Um, and I was really not looking forward to that bit. I was really nervous. But I also felt instinctively that I just didn't want to leave her. I'd heard of these sort of like cry out methods and all that sort of thing. And I just felt like I just knew that wasn't for me. There is no way I was going to be able to do that. Um, and for me, that just didn't feel natural. Um, and we, we've just never left her to cry. I think there's been two occasions where I've had to say to my husband, you need to take over because I can't push her anymore. Like, I, I'm so tired. Um, luckily, that's only happened on a few occasions. But I've never just been able to let her cry it out because I genuinely believe she's still so little. She's trying to tell me something. Something isn't right. You know, is it the temperature? Is she still hungry? Like, for me, I just feel like she can't manipulate me yet. I know as they get older, they can. Um, but I feel like when they're at least under a year, I just don't feel like they have that power. Um, yeah, they're actually, uh, um, 
so it's the prefrontal cortex that is needed for all of these things, for manipulation, for self-soothing, for um, comforting themselves back to sleep, etc. Um, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until they are until humans are around twenty-five years old. It, there is no way that a baby has reasoning, logic, rational thought. Uh, and as you were saying, they don't have the ability to change the temperature of the room or to take a sip of water or to pop to the bathroom or do any of those things. Yes, they can use their nappy, but it'll still wake them up. And they don't have the, literally the neurological development or capability to sort things out for themselves. They can't settle themselves back into sleep because that's not naturally how they're developed at this age. Um, and things like cry it out, the studies have shown that it doesn't in any way improve a baby's sleep. It improves the parental, in, sorry, it improves the parental perceptions of how the baby is sleeping. And parents all over the world are raving about cry it out and other sleep training methods saying, yeah, my baby sleeps so amazingly now. Um, but actually, the baby is not sleeping any better. The baby is waking exactly the same number of times. Studies have shown zero change in how many times they're waking up. The parents aren't aware of the baby waking because the baby will wake up and lie there silently struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling with the temperature or you know whatever it is that they're struggling with and they don't call out for help because they've learned through the sleep training that there is no point in calling out for help see that just literally makes me want to cry i just cannot i even, know i cannot cope with that that breaks my heart yeah, yeah. i'm just yeah no judgment to anyone listening but for me i just i mean I'm the sort of like mum where in the hospital they were like, okay, we're going to take her now um, for her. And I was like, okay, off we go. Like, I'm coming with you. Yeah. I'm like, it's my baby. Like, we'll come together. You know, like, I, yeah. I just wouldn't let her out of my sight. And she hasn't been out of my sight pretty much for all those, yeah. those months. So for me, that sort of feeling of like just letting her cry I don't know I just there is no way I would be able to do it um you mentioned before Hayley about attachment parenting so could you explain a little yeah. bit about what that is yeah so um attachment parenting I actually vehemently believe should be called parenting and anything else that deviates from it should be given a different label because attachment parenting is what parents have done for millennia. And outside of weird countries, that's Western, Western educated, industrialized, rich and developed countries, outside of those countries, it's still what's happening. It is attachment parenting. It is only in these developed Western rich countries that we are doing something else and saying that that is now the norm and that's what babies should fit into. The baby's hardwiring has not changed for millennia, but we're expecting them to fit into our Western, modern, fast-paced lives in ways that their bodies aren't designed for. They're, you know, it's simply impossible for them to fit into it. And then we're struggling with the, the discrepancies. 
so attachment parenting is um it is a form of parenting that essentially is responsive and uh sensitive and sees babies as whole human beings um and respects them for that there are eight eight principles for um attachment parenting uh they are and as i read them you'll be like yeah i'm doing loads of those um prepare for pregnancy birth and parenting so being informed and uh, learning and researching and i wasn't just informed. being prepared I was, I was a woman possessed i was like I'm <laughs> and like, it's gonna be positive whatever happens it is going to be positive and it was so. amazing <laughs> i love that this is the thing being informed and empowered makes all the difference um next one is nurturing touch uh, so using nurturing touch with your baby uh, holding them sensitively and respecting them and doing baby massage and all these other things uh, then there's feeding with respect um which doesn't necessarily in breastfeeding breastfeeding is seen as the uh, the most beneficial for babies it i mean it's fact it is the most beneficial for babies but it's not right for every family um and if you are not doing uh, breastfeeding then you can always do bottle nursing which gives more of that experience of the the nursing experience there are ways to feed with respect with the baby whichever way you choose to um feed them uh, responding with sensitivity, uh, ensuring safe sleep emotionally and physically and engaging in nighttime parenting, uh, striving for balance, constant loving care and practicing positive discipline. So those are the principles of attachment parenting, but really they are the principles of just good parenting. You know, it's one. It's just trying to do those things and trying to do their best yeah exactly everyone is trying to do their best the challenge is what information we've been provided with and if if you're provided with information that says oh at nighttime your baby should sleep from 8 p.m until 8 a.m and uh, should not be fed from 12 weeks old uh, you know all of these things then you're going to try your best but you're going to try your best with that information and then you're going to feel really frustrated when it's not working and then you're going to pay for a sleep trainer to help you with it um my job isn't to fix babies my job is to shift expectations support parents in uh, education around baby sleep so that they start to understand what is normal and what is not um, and to help parents to foster healthy relationships with sleep for the whole family um, which is a completely different thing. It's not about, you know, I'm not trying to sell a method here. I'm trying to undo the harm that has been caused over the, well, since the 1920s, I think it is, um, when behaviorism was uh, introduced, um, which is the the form of, or it's a scientific theory that suggests that we should just fix the surface level behavior that babies are showing. Um, and sure, sleep training fixes the surface level behavior, but it does not get to the root cause of what's happening. Um, so mine is all about developmental, which is a different approach. Uh, and it's all about what is biologically normal? What should a baby, what should baby sleep look like? Um, and so it's a whole different conversation, 
But I think so many parents are missing that conversation and then feeling like they're failing because they're trying to meet up to standards that human babies are not designed for. And every baby is different, right? So it's layered. It's like normal. And then what's your baby like? What are your um, circumstances? What is your family life like? And there's so many factors, isn't there, involved. And whenever I... Like, I love researching. I love getting educated on these topics. But sometimes the amount of information that's out there, it can be a bit of a double-edged sword because there's so many things that sort of contradict themselves. And then I found whenever I've gone down a road where maybe a friend said, well, I this really worked with my baby, try that. And my instinct is going, mm, I don't think so. And then I try it. And then I get so frustrated with myself because I'm like, why am I doing this? I know it doesn't feel right. That may, that may be right for their baby, but it doesn't feel right for mine. So it can just feel like a minefield. You can just feel yeah. so overwhelmed with it. Um, and whenever I've then taken a step back and gone, let's just, and my husband is always really good at this because he doesn't read anything. Um, he's just like, let's just just chill you know, just bring it in here. Or let's, no, he's very good at just saying like, just relax. And I'm like, yeah, but the book said this, or so-and-so said this, <laughs> like, forget it, you know? So yeah. It, yeah. it's such a sort of complicated thing because every family is different and we all have our own sort of cultural influences as well. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, and then there's that just narrative um, as well of like, is your baby sleeping through the night yet? I mean, that is yes. probably one of the number one questions you get asked when you have a baby. Mm-hmm. And we are obsessed with it. We're like obsessed yeah. with how much our babies are sleeping. And I don't know if anyone is like ever really honest when they answer that question. No, actually, um, um, there's various ways that people lie about it. Um, some, you know, some people are lying about it because they feel like they're not meeting up to the standards and they're worried that other people will judge them because their baby isn't, or they'll start saying something about their baby being uh, a problem sleeper or, you know, or they'll, they're worried that somebody might start giving them advice and they don't want that advice. So they just say, yes, yes, my baby's sleeping through the night. And then other people who are there start going, oh my God, their baby's sleeping through the night. Mine should be too. And then they all start to, kind of bundle into this and actually they're probably all going home and stressing about the fact that their babies aren't sleeping through the night and the reality is they're not because even adults don't sleep through the night all humans wake up at night it's just that babies need help to get back to sleep and yes it's not not convenient for us but who said that having a baby is supposed to be convenient babies don't switch off at night (laughs) it's something that really baffles me because it's almost like we have these babies and we expect them to be the same every single day. And then we're really shocked when one day they sleep better than others, one day they feed better than others. When they're just human, some days I have a really big appetite, other days I don't feel so great. Some nights I sleep really well, other nights I can't get to sleep. I don't understand why we expect babies to sort of be these little robots that just do the same every single day. and do we ever one of the reasons they sleep a full 12 hours i mean i don't think i think my little girl's done that a handful of times but it's very normal for her to wake up after a few hours now she can put her dummy back in herself so that's good that's helped a little bit sometimes <laughs> she has a little cry we go in she's still in our room we haven't moved her out of her our room yet so she but 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 then to me i'm like well is that sleeping through because she's not physically getting up all the time but then some nights she does so no night is the same in my house I would say Mm. 
Yeah, and that, I mean, that is the same whether you are a single person living on your own or you're a family of eight kids. No night is the same, but we're expecting, as you said, we're expecting our babies to somehow be robots who fit in and are perfect every single night. And if they're not, they're broken and we need to pay someone to fix it or we need to read a book or get advice from someone. It's all just, it's all so messed up. It's all so confused and it's all society's expectations are just broken when it comes to parenthood in so many ways but sleep is one of the biggest um and until we shift the expectations nothing's going to change so These, if someone was coming to you Hayley what's the process like what does gentle sleep coaching involve so well firstly i should probably say that i'm not actually taking any clients at the moment because i'm focused on launching my online course happy healthy sleep um but when i do take clients um it is i know that sleep trainers will say oh it's not a one-size-fits-all it's a you know i'll send you a program that is tailored for you but actually they have pretty much a copy paste thing that they're you know they have they choose which sleep training program and they copy paste it to each person Mine is uh, very, very much tailored. You know, it's three hours of writing up after a consultation. Um, and the consultation itself is two hours long and it's two hours of talking through holistic view of the family life. We're not just looking at the sleep in isolation. We are looking at the diet, the exposure to screen time, the stresses the changes that are happening for the baby the changes that are happening in the whole family um you know anything that might be going on for a parent for example the mental health of the parents is often a big factor as well is there an energy in the house that you know is uh, people struggling at home and is that transferring onto your baby now that's not something to be ashamed of at all babies are fantastic energy barometers they're going to sense whatever's going on in your family home but getting help for yourself is really important. And you know, all everything that I do is about a holistic picture and then talking that through with the family, going through the steps of how we can improve things without any form of sleep training. So we're looking at the, the root cause of any issues, if there are any issues, and education where there aren't issues, mm. but society has deemed it as an issue. Um, and then, you know, it's the important thing to note is that a lot of parents, because we are still living these fast-paced lives, whether the the baby is sleeping normally or not, we are still struggling to keep up. You know, in many cultures, the mums slow down and they take months with their baby, years with their baby. They sleep beside their baby and they get the you know breastfeeding and bed sharing. Yes, there is there are safety issues, and that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But that is the best way to get the most sleep as a mother. And but yes, of course, safety first, and you do need to know the guidelines to do it safely. But you know, all of that stuff has been kind of lost from society, and we end up with um, with families who are exhausted and looking for fixes and putting all the blame on the baby because the baby's sleep is what's making them exhausted. But in reality, what they need is support around that so that the baby can sleep normally. And that's not always the case. There have been so, so many cases where I've had a family that I'm working with and it's been a small change that has changed the whole way their bedtime goes, for example, or 
change the timings that their babies nap and it's meant that their whole nighttime is better. There are, you know, there are fixes, there are sleep hygiene and there are best practices and there's sleep latency and all these things that we can work on to improve the sleep. But then there's also how do we support a parent when the baby sleep is actually normal? Because the parents still need that rest. So it's it's a holistic picture. And I'm not putting all the burden for change on a baby because why should the baby carry that burden? Yeah, and it's and it's always evolving as well. I think for the first six months I found it I found it really fascinating and I I've also found it sort of quite overwhelming at times because you just sort of find a rhythm and then it's <laughs> Yes, yes. And then, and then you're weaning. And there's all these things yeah. sort of you go from, you know, the newborn days where they do just sleep, they sleep a lot and you're feeding and changing, but they do sleep a lot to then you're getting in a little bit more of a, and I have a gentle routine. I'm not sort of like obsessed with my routine, but I want to make sure she gets her naps. Um, yeah. Helps her sleep in the evening. But I feel like once you get past that sort of six months, it does start to even out a little bit. And, mm. you know, now she's having two good naps a day and it's really helped with her evening sleep. She doesn't nap so well in the day. I can always see a difference in the evening sleep usually. Um, but for those first six months, and is that the time you find people usually come to you? Is it in those first six months or is it a, a bit no. of a mixture? It's actually not in the first six months. The first six months, they might kind of flounder around and try a bit of sleep training and realize that that is absolutely not where they want to go or they might try and do things at home or they might be okay for the first six months but it's then afterwards I think around seven and a half to 11 months is the most common within the first year that's the most common uh, time that I get most clients um that's the age of the babies um Yes, the first the first three months are amazing, and then you get to around four months, and their circadian rhythm has kicked in, and things change, and oh my gosh, suddenly your baby is not sleeping, and you've broken them. What did you do? How do we need to turn clockwise when we're sleep rocking our baby to sleep? Or and Haley, can I can I just interrupt that and ask you? This is where this four month sleep regression thing comes yeah. up and a lot of people um you know they almost dread it it's like oh we've hit it it's a four month sleep regression is that a thing do you think or is it just something that yes there is a change in your baby but it doesn't mean that everything has gone out the window and you're then just never gonna sleep yeah so um again so the the regression term is being phased out and if you ever see a sleep expert using the term regression run a mile because they are not informed about baby sleep babies do not go backwards in their sleep they are going forwards and it cannot be that every human baby at four months old goes backwards and is broken and needs to be fixed. Why would human evolution do that? It's insane. What is happening is that they are progressing and they're suddenly progressing in a big way. So at around four months, there are big shifts in their development, just as you were saying, a big shift in their development and it impacts their sleep. And the same happens around eight, nine months and it impacts their sleep again. And it happens again later on. Each time that this happens, 
it is not that your baby is broken. It is not that you've done something wrong or that they are, uh, they're going backwards in their sleep at all. It is a progression. So the term that is being used now is sleep progression rather than regression. And if you hear regression from anyone, correct them. Or if it's somebody who claims to be an expert in sleep, run a mile because that it's not accurate at all. They're never going backwards. Um, That's so reassuring to hear, Haiti. Yeah. There's a lot of people, you know, they make money from using the term regression because it causes fear mongering that, you know, all these families are panicking that they've done something wrong. So they're paying for support. Um, I would genuinely, genuinely love to stop my business right now. If everyone in the world was suddenly educated, informed and empowered about baby sleep, if that happened and my job went out of business, I would be happy. It might, you know, I'm not doing this as a money maker. I'm doing this because the world needs to see a shift. So, yeah, parents out there, please <laughs> just make sure that you're informed and empowered and that you trust the sources. You were saying earlier about um, listening to your instincts, um, but then still kind of going ahead with what other people are saying anyway. If we were all empowered to listen to our intuition as babies and children, we would feel more empowered to listen to it as adults. Um, and then we would be able to push back when other people are giving us advice. But the reality is that we're telling our babies and our children to not listen to their intuition and to do as we're saying and to ignore their bodies at night and sleep through the night, or sleep through the night, it's not really sleeping, it's lying there awake. Um, we're, you know, we're telling them to do these things and it's knocking, it's squashing their intuition already as a baby and as a, a child. So then how can we expect parents to feel confident in stepping into the role of a parent if their intuition has already been squashed? And then you will have experienced that as well in pregnancy and in birth when people are trying to knock your intuition left, right and center. Doctors are trying to intervene unnecessarily and putting in processes that don't need to be there and membrane sweeps when you're 38 weeks and all these crazy things. Um, it's all going against your intuition and uh, taking the power away from you as a mother. And yeah, it has a huge, huge impact on, on how we cope as parents. We'll be right back after this short break. I want to take a moment to tell you all about Dubai's first and only baby spa, La Bella Baby Spa. La Bella Baby Spa is located in the heart of Dubai Healthcare City and their amazing team are all qualified and certified paediatric nurses. The spa itself is absolutely beautiful and full of gorgeous little details. Mavia and I were lucky enough to experience the La Bella treatment for ourselves recently and I just fell in love with the energy of the place. The spa has four rooms and caters to babies ages one month to one year. The Labella team provide everything from swim diapers, baby wipes, lotion, pampers, towels and unlimited tea and coffee for us mamas. All four spa rooms are slightly different and super spacious so you can bring along family members and friends to watch your little one enjoy some serious pampering. 
Their services include hydrotherapy, where the spa creates a unique experience for your little one by floating in one of their super cute baby jacuzzis. In case you didn't know, hydrotherapy improves muscle strength, coordination skills, cognitive skills, digestion problems, and sleep patterns. They also offer baby massage, including full body massage, including tummy time, therapeutic massage with a focus on special needs and bonding time, and instructed massage. La Bella Baby Spa is an absolute gem and a really special treat for you and your little one to spend some quality time together in a super relaxing environment. Follow the spa on Instagram today at La Bella Baby Spa to find out more and to discover some seriously cute photos. I think this would make the perfect gift for a new mummy or just something you can do with your little one on a monthly basis for some extra special bonding time. Now let's get back to the show. The, the passion you have for sleep is the same passion I have about positive birth because mm. it just like changed my whole world. I couldn't believe what women were having to go through and it and yeah. not knowing that they could get educated and feel empowered and know their choices and I feel exactly the same when it comes to that and I'm getting better with listening to my intuition and kind of drowning out the noise you know it gets to six months and you're like well they go in their own room now my husband was like but why is she going in her own room I'm like well (laughs) what everyone's doing he's like but she's quite happy with us we're sleeping like why are we moving her and I was like, oh, I guess so. And we just haven't yet. We will, because she will eventually get too big. But I thought, you're right. Why am I feeling yeah. like she needs to be in her own room? We both sleep really well. You're, Let's you're so run. right. It's, you know, but, yeah, it's... But, but for a second, I was like, right, okay, so we need to get your desk out of this room because she's going to go in this, she's going to go in here now. And, and she will eventually, but just because you hit that six months doesn't mean that your baby is ready some babies are ready before and that works for that family setup you know we have these sort of milestones and and they're just a guide but sometimes they can really get in your head can't they and you think you know we've got to be doing this by this time but that might not work yeah. for you and your baby no absolutely and actually the six months it's a minimum guideline the the recommendation is absolute minimum six months in your room uh, but 12 months ideally and there is no maximum there's no you know by two years they must be out of your room though they can be in your room forever it's fine (laughs) it's what works for your family so long as you've got that safety of the first six months to reduce SIDS then after that they can be there forever ideally for the first year because there is still a risk of SIDS up to a year old or beyond you want to kind of maximize the safety but yeah why should we go by arbitrary standards it's the same with um weaning onto solids if you look back at the stats it's only in the last few decades that babies have started to be weaned so much earlier it used to be around eight or nine months old but then it started to get earlier and earlier there was one person who caused it to be like two months old at some stages and then it's gradually getting later and later don't get me started on weaning absolutely oh I'm going through it at the moment and I am getting more confident but we went for our four-month vaccination and our doctor was like okay so you can start weaning now and I just nodded and I thought there's no way we're starting yet because it didn't feel right and we didn't um yeah because of 
you know, I did hypnobirthing and I learned so much. I feel very confident in that sort of hospital environment with doctors. Like I, yeah. I respect them, but he's telling me that my baby's ready for weaning. At four months, she couldn't hold her head up. There's no way she's ready for weaning. And we waited yeah. till six months and I felt she was ready, but we're taking it very slowly. You know, I'm very, um, I'm getting more confident, but I'm not, um, it's something I'm sort of battling with myself. She's fine. Yeah. Um, but I, again, it's just another thing where it's like, there's so much information out there and um, you can just get really overwhelmed. But I think, you know, your message of just, you know, getting really educated and empowered and mm. trusting your instincts goes for everything, not just sleep. Absolutely yeah. Everything. yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you're saying about doctors, um, and any medical professional really. So a lot of medical professionals will get a very little, a light touch on sleep. Um, and you know, I've even heard of a, a doctor who, I think it was a pediatrician, whose only infant sleep education was being given the book by Gina Ford. I have that book. But I know all about it. I mean, it, Gina Ford reckons that it's okay if your baby vomits in their sleep. You should still keep the door shut. She also doesn't have any children, does she? No. <laughs> no. She, I, uh, the damage she's done is horrific. To I mean, obviously this is <laughs> anecdotal, but um, you know that that one book was what a doctor received um, as their infant sleep education. So then when they're being, when parents are coming to them and saying they're tired, they're saying, Oh, we'll just sleep train your baby. And the parents are going, well, my doctor said it, my doctor's informed, so I should do it. And these poor parents are going and doing something that goes against their intuition and goes against their baby's biology and their baby's healthy development because their doctor has advised it, but their doctor is not trained in it. Getting second opinions on these things is absolutely okay, as it is in all things medically. You can get a second opinion if it goes against your intuition, and you always should. And, you know, don't feel bad about it. It's really important. Oh, I just, yeah, I, I know all about that book, and it just makes me so sad. I just, yeah. And, and from what I've heard, it's literally, she gives you, like, a schedule of like yeah when the mom should drink some water exactly and you know you just got, it, it doesn't work babies don't work like no that. um no not at all you know and I haven't read Ridiculous. it myself, so you know and and I don't mean to be cruel then when I say you know she doesn't have her own children but I just think like you said just if it doesn't feel right get another opinion there's nothing yeah. wrong with seeking more information and do your own research you know yeah yes you what know. feels right for one person is different to what feels right for another exactly and Haley, what would be some of your top pieces of advice for anyone listening that is in the fourth trimester right now because this whole series is sort of themed around that first year particularly um you know new mums that fourth trimester so what would be some of your your top tips um my number one tip is to be informed by uh, from sources that feel right to you. 
if you're if you listen to you know if you're listening to me speak right now for example and you're going yeah actually i get that and that resonates with me then you know look at what i'm doing and look at the sources that i'm using and become informed in that direction if you hear someone else speaking and you're you, that kind of resonates for you then go that way as well or go that way instead um but if something doesn't feel right that alarm bell needs to be listened to even if you know you're sitting there going oh but everyone else is doing it or but this is normal right no if it doesn't feel right to you that is there for a reason that alarm bell is really really important and actually we should be role modeling to our children how to listen to our own intuition because that will set them up in good stead for their future so yeah always listen listen to your intuition and sometimes you know it's hard to to know what is your intuition um so just kind of trusting that gnawing feeling that you get when somebody gives you some advice that's really really important um and then yeah apart from that listen to your baby respond to your baby treat your baby with respect as a whole human being um Babies are born whole human beings with stronger emotions than us. And they can't co they can't self-regulate. They need to co-regulate. So respond to your baby and get support if you need it. Ask for help. Get a plan in place. Buy my course because there's loads of useful stuff in there to help you in that fourth trimester with listening to your intuition and building your uh, confidence in your own voice and all all the information that you need get that you know get that all of that information that you need together and build your own confidence rather than um always looking to what other people are doing and comparing comparing comparison is not our friend no comparison is the biggest thief of joy and yeah you know, I think you've touched on something so important there because I put so much energy into my birth and I'm so glad I did, but I should have put energy into my postpartum plan as well. Mm. Because as soon as Nobody I, talks about it. Well, I got home with my baby and then the millions of questions started and yeah. I'm at 4am and I'm just, you know, totally overwhelmed and confused and yeah i wish i'd put a bit more energy into that and getting educated around sleep what can i really mm. expect other than just going yeah. well i'm just not going to sleep right that's 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 the deal when you have yeah. <laughs> and actually it's not and it wasn't actually i would say that's not been the hardest thing for me obviously everyone's different yeah i actually sleep well like I actually don't need people are always saying to me like do you you know do you wish you had some like just a day where you could just sleep I'm like but I'm not tired that's like that's not mm. what I need in my life right now I, I'd love a holiday yes but I'm not <laughs> I'm not sleep deprived so yeah I just wish I'd done that I wish I'd got one of your yeah. courses and just got myself a little bit prepared because I think it would have I think I would have then avoided a lot of the sort of uncertainty I had going on in my head mm. and that sort of questioning myself that like, well, I feel that this is right, but is it safe? Is that okay? Are you allowed to do that with a yeah. baby? All that sort of stuff that goes on in those early days. So for anyone yeah. listening, put some energy into your postpartum plan. I know it feels like so far away. Um, or even if you're in the thick of it now, it's never too late, is it? 
to no get something not at all I mean I've I've designed this course specifically with the fourth trimester the first year but also with pregnancy in mind you know you can start this course when you're pregnant and get all the science and the understanding and the groundings and that foundation that you need before your baby's even born so that you're prepared and then what as you go through there are different bits to add in and you know you've got this course for two years so you've got plenty of time but you there are bits that add in you know what to expect at zero to three months and then at six to nine months and all these different stages you can then jump back in and go okay what do i need now how do i approach this what's my best strategy um you can go through the whole journey with the course but start it in pregnancy and actually if you've got the time and if you're sitting at home on maternity leave do it because as you say then you don't come home with a baby and go, oh my God, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah. His life depends on me. And we will just, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I put so much work and people always say yeah. to me, I'm so lucky you had such a wonderful birth. Yes, there is an element of luck, but I really worked for my birth. Like for mm. me, it was like, mm. I took it so seriously. It was like, I'm going to make sure that I have this positive experience because I felt like that would set, set me up for then feeling, you know, in a positive frame of mind for when I come home with this baby, because I knew it was going to be a massive shock. My family's not here. So I, I was like, I need to be as positive as, as I can. So I know that it works. If you really educate yourself, you feel empowered, yeah. whatever's going on, um, you feel really positive. So I know that it works. So, and yeah, that's what I, I did the same thing. About, just trying to put as much, energy as I can into educating myself because it never ends you know just when you think okay well I've mastered that bit there's something new that you need to learn about absolutely never yeah never ever um I did the same thing actually I did the same course with Jasmine um oh, uh, I did <laughs> isn't she just the best yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, Jasmine and I, I mean, I've known her since I moved to Dubai and I did her course and then I did her refresher and then I ended up working with her in a professional capacity. Um, but I, you know, I had uh, two hypnobirthing babies. My second one was five kilos and it was a, you know, a simple, beautiful, positive, loving experience. Um, and that was because of hypnobirthing and because I was empowered and informed. So I completely, completely agree with you. It, it makes all the difference. Yeah, it does. And I'm so happy you had that experience. And Jasmine is, yeah. I, I obviously I did her course and I had her on the podcast for series two. And yeah. I just, I just love her. I just love her kind of energy and just, yeah, she's just so calm and just, yeah, I just adore her. So, oh, I'm so yeah, she's glad. amazing. You're a fellow Jasmine love birthing. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to do a Absolutely. round now. Okay. Okay, your one piece of advice for first time mummies. Uh, every baby and every family are unique and you need to listen to your intuition rather than compare to others. Your top three essential items for first time mums. Uh, number one, Nap Trap Survival Kit, um, which, uh, do I have time to explain what that Please. is or should I just... I not know what this is. Please explain. <laughs> um, I mean, this is something that I've, you know, that I kind of invented it, but I'm sure lots of mums do it. Um, 
get a box wherever you're going to be breastfeeding or um, doing contact naps or getting nap trapped um, and put in it all the things that you are going to need to make that an actual pleasant experience for you. Because if you just sit down on the sofa and feed your baby and they fall asleep, then you're kind of stuck there. But if you sit down in a rocking chair with your iPad set up and your headphones in and a snack and a bottle of water or a book to read, whatever it is that you know works for you, if you've got those things to hand ready, then you can make it an actual break for you and it can be really nice. So a nap trap survival kit is my number one item. Uh, number two is a baby carrier. If it's for the fourth trimester, then a stretchy wrap. Um, I swear by baby wearing, you know, millennia of human development has involved baby wearing because it's so important and so useful. So that would be number two. And then number three is a really, it's a no brainer, my course. <laughs> No, no shameless plugging in there at all, but <laughs> I'm genuinely, I think that the course would be. <laughs> uh, what's the one item you thought you would use as a first time mum, but actually didn't? And that may seem like a strange question, but I ask it because I just think we are just flooded with stuff and we feel like we need a million things when we're, we're having our first babies. Um, and actually there's very little that you really need. Yeah, um, for me, it's a whole nursery. You don't need a nursery. Why, why have a nursery? I mean, it's a pretty room that you've decorated in advance that your baby doesn't even sleep in for at least the first six months. Do it later. So focus on just having that time. And in fact, rather than decorating the nursery, spend that time being more informed. Um, you know, you don't need a nursery for at least six months unless you're, you plan on moving into that nursery with your baby. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I say this to Jasmine all the time, you know, people will buy these big ticket items, but not invest in a hypnobirthing course or yeah. classes or because they don't see it as a necessity when actually the thousands of dirhams you spend on your nursery, you literally are not going to use it. Um, no. So, yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah. What's one thing nobody warned you about before becoming a mum? Uh, the barrage of conflicting advice and the dangerous advice that sleep trainers offer um, and the fact that it's a wolf in sheep's clothing and it's hard to spot it. Yeah, it's really hard to know who are the genuine people and who are the people that are just yeah. making money from this. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it, it really is hard to know. You Kind of trying to spot the genuine advice over the I'm going to profit from your fake problem that I'm pushing on you it's really difficult to figure it out and as a parent you just want to do the best and you want to do it right and you want to you don't want any mistakes you don't you definitely don't want to ruin your baby somehow so you kind of go with everyone's advice and yeah that barrage of advice is dangerous and I I had no idea that that was going to come and I wish somebody had told me listen to my gut and ignore I mean I don't actually because I wouldn't have gone on the journey that I've been on and I wouldn't be the gentle mama now and you know I wouldn't have all of this um, but I do think that all parents should be warned of that in advance yeah I feel exactly the same um favorite thing about being a mum um 
my girls obviously but so it's two things really but then also my own journey and the empowerment that that has brought um and how i have become who i am you know my identity i feel like i've really grown into who i am through uh becoming a mother Oh, I love that. I, f I feel very yeah. similar. I'm not like there yet. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm like pulled in a direction. I don't know what it's going to end up looking like, but I'm, I yeah. totally feel you. And finally, Hayley, what does motherhood mean to you in three words? My whole world. Oh, Hayley, thank you so much. I am going to put all your information in the show notes to where people can find your course, your Instagram, um, everything. And thank you so much. I think it's been so powerful to hear, you know, coming into this, I thought we were just going to chat about sleep. And yeah. it's so much more than that. And actually, mm. the, the act of sleep, is just a tiny part of it it's everything else that's going on and it's that holistic approach you talk about and for mums listening i just hope that you obviously go and check out your work and also just like take the pressure off just drown out the noise a bit yeah you know focus on what's happening with you and your baby and not comparing mm -hmm. to all your other mummy friends and it's wonderful to have that community and you share ideas and god i get so much um, you know, wonderful help from my girls that I know, but don't let that sort of like overpower your own your own mm. motherly instincts. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for inviting me on. It's been so so lovely chatting with you. Oh, Haley, thank you so much. A massive thank you once again to Haley. You can find links to Haley's Instagram, website, and her amazing online courses in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, including the Friday's Child Facebook community. This is a group I have created in the hope to share positive birth stories, along with parenting life hacks, tips and tricks, general advice, and much more. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review, and subscribe to Friday's Child, the podcast to help us reach more wonderful mummers. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>